It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Thursday, December 17th, 2020. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Some of Sitka's frontline healthcare workers and first responders received doses of the coronavirus vaccine on Wednesday. The shipment of the Pfizer vaccine arrived in Sitka early Wednesday morning. Sitka Fire Chief Craig Warren was the first in line to receive the vaccine at the fire hall. He says he didn't feel a thing. I think somebody needs to set the example. Somebody needs to uh, make sure and lead the charge. Some side effects have been reported from the vaccine, including a rare but severe allergic reaction from a Juno healthcare worker on Tuesday. Hers is the only anaphylactic reaction reported in the country so far. Warren says he's aware that he may experience muscle pain, chills, and fatigue, but he says it's worth it. We know that COVID is a bad thing. We know that there are people dying. We know that there are people that are permanently disabled from this, this horrible virus. In my opinion, I think a little bit of uncomfort is worth it not to get a virus that could cause some long-term effects. Warren anticipated that around 50 first responders would be vaccinated by the end of the day, with more to follow on Saturday. City Administrator John Leach wrote in an email that he expects a phased distribution plan to take place over the next few days. Search, White's Pharmacy, the Sitka Fire Department, and Public Health Service are all working through their vaccine distribution plans. The city is also working with commercial air carriers and the Coast Guard to deliver the vaccine to remote communities served by Search and Public Health. Phase 1 includes frontline healthcare workers, first responders, and long-term care residents and staff, according to a press release from Search. The Food and Drug Administration authorized the Pfizer vaccine for emergency use last Friday after l- clinical trials that included more than 30,000 participants. The first shipment of around 35,000 doses arrived in Alaska on Sunday night, and vaccines began on Tuesday. A second dose of the shot is given three weeks after the first to ensure effectiveness. Sitka reported three more coronavirus cases on Wednesday. Three women tested positive, all received testing earlier this week. A woman in her 20s and a woman in her 70s were both experiencing symptoms when they were tested on December 14th. Both cases are considered secondary, according to city data, meaning they had contact with someone who tested positive for the virus. The third patient is a woman in her 40s. Information about her symptoms or how she contracted the virus is not yet available on the city's COVID dashboard. As of Wednesday evening, there were 22 active coronavirus cases in Sitka. Since the start of the pandemic, 252 cases have been reported overall. Two positive coronavirus test results reported in Yakutat earlier this week were actually negative. The Yakutat Incident Command announced on Wednesday that an error between the testing lab and the state's reporting system caused the false report. Yakutat has reported 12 cases of the coronavirus since late July, two of which are now considered active. Despite no slowdown in COVID infections in the state, another large school district in Alaska will allow students to return to classroom buildings in January. By a narrow 4-3 to vote, the Fairbanks North Star Borough School Board Monday night passed a motion allowing students to phase in before February 1st. KUAC's Robin reports. The board has met four times already in December, trying to meet out a plan for the third quarter before students adjourn for winter break. They've reviewed four different plans for phasing in students with safety guidelines, but some members kept pressing for a full return even if it meant not following CDC or the state's Smart Start guidelines for masking and social distancing. 
just because you don't want to go to school doesn't mean my child doesn't need to or that my child should not be allowed to attend school. That's board member Matthew Sampson, who's been advocating for a full return for months. New members, April Smith and Maggie Matheson, campaigned on the issue before winning their seats in the October municipal election. Fairbanks area schools have a handful of students already in the classrooms, those with special educational needs and those who have poor internet access. Physical attendance varies from school to school. Kelly Scanlon, a coach and counselor at Ryan Middle School, says about 25% of her student body is present. Students with IEPs, uh, those without the internet, those with excessive absences, homeless students, and students in the foster care system. Schools will start on Wednesday, January 6th with those same categories of students. But over the following weeks, anyone who wants to will be phased in, starting with elementary students and finishing with high schoolers before February 1st. The plan maintains the options for students who want to stay home and learn remotely if families don't feel safe returning kids to school with Alaska's high COVID-19 case count. The controversial element of the board's plan is that it does not require schools to absolutely follow the CDC's or the state's Smart Start guidelines. Board member Jennifer Luke added language that acknowledges that schools will meet those guidelines, quote, to the best of their abilities, unquote. That was too loose for member Aaron Marotti. The words best of their ability, that's super vague. Ms. Luke needs to clarify what she means by that. Yeah, absolutely. With the high schools, we will attempt to ensure that we have the six feet. That's the only place that I'm looking at that because I believe that we can keep those numbers from what was shown to me in elementary school and middle school. The plan puts the burden on school principals to figure out how best to configure their schools. The three advisory representatives from the Army, the Air Force, and the district student body all voted against the measure, including Colonel Christopher Ruga. Both installations have documented cases of child-to-child COVID transmission and child-to-parent COVID transmission and in both installations where that has impacted our mission. It's not clear if military COVID protocols will supersede the district's policy and prevent students from entering the handful of school buildings on Fort Wainwright and Ileson Air Force Base. In Fairbanks, I'm Robin. Construction is set to start next spring on a solar battery project in the northwest Arctic villages of Shugnak and Kobuk. As Wesley Early with Alaska's Energy Desk reports, it's the latest renewable project for a region routinely struck by high energy costs. It's always been expensive to provide energy to rural Alaska. With most communities not falling on the road system, locals are forced to barge and fly in diesel fuel to power generators. There is a state program that reduces energy costs, but with the state's budget crisis, it's unknown how long that program will be around. Edwin Byfelt says even with state support, energy in rural Alaska remains pricey. Even with uh, power cost equalization, people see rates anywhere from you know, at least 20 cents a kilowatt hour up to 40, 50 cents a kilowatt hour, you know, which is four or five times the national average. Byfelt, who grew up in the village of Huslia, is the founder and CEO of Alaska Native Renewable Industries. The company specializes in providing renewable energy to rural Alaska communities. ANRI wrapped up construction of Alaska's largest rural solar farm in Kotzebue earlier this year, a 576-kilowatt project with more than 1,400 solar panels. Combined with the local electric co-op's wind turbines, it's estimated that Kotzebue is about 50% powered by renewable energy. Now, ANRI is contracted with the Northwest Arctic Borough to construct similar arrays in the villages of Shungnak and Kobuk, the easternmost communities in the borough. 
Byfelt says he expects the arrays to lower utility bills in the villages. We'll definitely see a, a decrease in the amount of um, diesel fuel that they have to, to fly in every year. Um, but it's, it's tough to say right now what, what end effect it's going to have for residents in the long run. Kobuk and Shungnet combined have about an eighth the population of Kotzebue. Byfelt says the two new arrays will follow a similar design to the Kotzebue project, but they will be much smaller. The tentative design we have is for approximately a 38 KW array in Kobuk and then 186 KW array in Shungnak, I believe. Byfelt says rural energy projects aren't new to the region, though his company puts an emphasis on hiring locals to help with construction rather than fly up workers from larger cities. Just to provide, you know, um, some temporary jobs, provide some, some new skills for, for people within the community, you know, relating to renewable energy, and just give them a better education and um, experience with solar Construction of the solar arrays should wrap up by summer next year. Moving forward, Byfeld anticipates rural renewable energy will be more important as lawmakers struggle with funding power cost equalization. In 2019, a procedural delay in the legislature held up those funds, and there have been proposals from Governor Mike Dunleavy and more conservative lawmakers to use funds from the program to help balance the state's deficit. Byfelt says the uncertainty over PCE should worry rural Alaskans. I guess it's something we don't think about enough, um, just because it's always it's been there for the past, you know, thirty years, thirty plus years. But it's who knows if if it'll be there another ten, fifteen years, um, and then what situation will communities be in at that point? Without PCE, Byfelt says rural Alaska residents could end up paying double for their energy costs. Over the next decade, he says, investing in solar as well as wind power and hydroelectric power could save rural communities from potentially drastic hikes in energy bills. The more positive impact to the environment from these renewable resources is a bonus. For Alaska's Energy Desk, I'm Wesley Early. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a look at the weather for Sitka for Thursday, December 17th, 2020. Today, rain likely in the morning, then rain in the afternoon. Highs in the lower 40s, south winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight, rain, lows in the upper 30s, southeast winds 15 to 20 miles per hour. And now taking a quick look at our community calendar. Sitka School Board holds a work session 5 p.m. tonight, Thursday, December 17th, with the Association of Alaska School Board staff via Zoom. To access the Zoom link, visit the Sitka School District website. Sitka Tribe of Alaska's Kayani Commission meets 6.30 p.m. tonight, Thursday, December 17th, via Zoom. For the link, contact Jeff at 747-7469. You are tuned in to Raven Radio, KCAW, Sitka. This is